name we pray. Amen, amen, awesome. Everybody got the memo today to wear red, which is awesome. But if you have your uh, Bibles, go ahead. Uh, This morning, uh, take out your Bibles. I'm going to read you guys some verses this morning. And uh, I'm going to do something a little different than what we're used to. Um, We've been studying the book of Luke uh, on our Sunday mornings, but being that it was Valentine's Day and also that some of my family had to, got to go to a a funeral this morning, uh, I did want to take some time on stunning the love of Jesus. Today's either Valentine's Day or Single Awareness Day for, for some of us, and um, we know that how that goes, but we know that Jesus is the greatest love that will ever exist beyond what we can experience as human beings. If you... Uh, have something to take notes on, I would, I would really encourage it this morning. Um, I don't often do topical studies, but I felt led uh, to take some time and focus on this subject, on the love of Jesus. That is my study this morning, the love of Jesus. You see, the love of Jesus has an innumerable amount of blessings that come with the love of Jesus. We see in Scripture that everything that Jesus did was motivated by love. So I want to take a look at just a few of the attributes of the love of Jesus. Beginning with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. My first point on the love of Jesus is that the love of Jesus is an exemplary love. That word exemplary from example. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, we read this. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, for a sweet-smelling aroma. So Paul is writing to the Ephesians. He's saying, walk in love. Christ walked in love. Perhaps we're wondering how to proceed in our current situation this morning. Proceed in love. And maybe you want to ask me, what do you mean when you say love? You know, there's different types of love, especially in today's culture. But the Bible teaches on four different types of love. If you have something to take notes on, I'm going to tell you these four different types of love. That There are four Greek words for the word of love. The first word is going to be phileo. Phileo means a brotherly type love. You've heard of the city Philadelphia. They get that word Philadelphia from phileo. It's that brotherly love. And how good it is to have brothers and sisters in the Lord for fellowship, for community, for, for security, 
for accountability, for comfort. That's what phileo love is. That's the first type of love that is given to us through the Greek words. The second one, the love is translated storge. That's S-T-O-R-G-E. And that's a, a family type of love. The love that a mother would have for their child. It's important to have family as we're growing up for our well-being, for our psychology, for a child, for their health, for their spiritual upbringing, their well-being. So that's storge. That's the second type of love that is mentioned in, in the New Testament. So sometimes when we're reading it, it'll just say love, but when you look at the original Greek word, it'll say storge. The third type of love is known as eros, which is a physical, erotic type of love. Now, this is a love God intended between a man and his wife. But today, eros has become very perverse. We can't watch TV shows anymore without some images popping up on our screen. Music is filled with erotic lyrics. And even business, everything that we see as commercials, sex sells is the phrase that we hear. And they use this to sell their products. So they've taken the beautiful marriage gift and they've thrown it in the trash. That Eros type of love reminds me of the type of fire that belongs in a fireplace. It looks beautiful when it's in its proper place. But when you take that fire out of the fireplace and throw it on the house, and the house catches on fire, suddenly it's terrible. In that same way, I, I think of a, of a garden when you take soil and it looks great in its garden and the, the plants grow from it. But if you take that same soil and you throw it on the carpet floor, it's dirty now. And that's what that Eros love was intended for, was the, the husband and wife marriage bed. So that's another word for love in the, the Greek words. Fourthly, and I would say most importantly for our study this morning, we have the word agape. That's A-G-A-P-E. And this is an unconditional, sacrificial, God-type love. This love is, is something that we can experience. This love is something that we can even bestow upon others. It's the type of love that Jesus loved us so much that he died for our sins. It's that agape love. And there's a difference. There's a difference between even agape and phileo. Do you guys remember in John's gospel when Simon, and, uh, Simon Peter and, and Jesus, after Jesus has already resurrected, they come by the, the sea to catch fish. And Peter is, first of all, just so amazed that Jesus is resurrected. And now Jesus is spending time with Peter for 
after Peter had already betrayed him. And as they're there and Jesus is making his fish tacos with Peter, he gets alone with, with Peter and he asks him in John 21, 15, he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And the word there for love, it's agape. He says, do you agape me more than these? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, but the word he uses is phileo. You know I have that brotherly Lord toward, towards you, Jesus. So Jesus tells him, feed my lambs. And then Jesus asks Peter again. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know I have that brotherly love towards you. And Jesus tells him, tend my sheep. And then thirdly, Jesus asks him again. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? He changes his word from agape to phileo so that he can meet Peter where he's at. And it says that Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Do you phileo me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See, Jesus wasn't trying to bring Peter down. He wanted to bring Peter up. So he met Peter where he was at. And he knew that Peter was going through the guilt and condemnation of betraying him. But every time that Peter felt like he couldn't have say out loud that he had that unconditional love, Jesus would tell him, tend my sheep, feed them. He's bringing Peter back into the calling of ministry that Peter had walked away from by denying his Lord. And we do see that there is a difference between that brotherly love versus that unconditional love that Jesus had towards Peter. You see, as Christ has also loved us, you see, Christ is our example as he came down to the earth in the flesh. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, you don't need to turn there. I'm going to read this verse to you. It says, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. See, Jesus he humbled himself by becoming a human being. And remember when Jesus, he washed the disciples' feet as an example? Even Judas, he washed Judas's feet, the man who would betray him? In John 13, verses 12 through 15, it says, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. 
If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. See, we need to lead by example. So many times we think that we deserve something from people. When in fact, we should be the ones who are trying to give that example of other people how to live as Christians. We're called to be an example of Christ to the whole world. Not the other way around. So give yourself to other people. Allow allow people to have the upper hand and be that, that humble servant leader. It doesn't mean meekness is weakness. See, there's that word meek, and you've heard Jesus. He said, blessed are the meek. Now, a lot of times we relate the word meekness to weakness. We're like, oh, meek means timid or, or, or so humble you, you just don't say anything. But meekness is power under control, under submission. Like, imagine a, a little baby playing with a pit bull, like a huge giant Rottweiler, a pit bull, and the baby's just pulling on its face and the dog's just like, like the dog, if he wanted to, could tear that little kid apart, but he doesn't because he knows he is under authority to that little kid. So that's what meekness is. Number two, the love of Jesus is an enduring love. In John chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. See, Jesus, he went all the way, all the way to death. I was thinking about how in today's world, there's so many marriages and relationships that don't endure. And that's the love that is based on the happiness of a spouse. That's a, it's a hard love to endure. You see, we're not promised a happy life. And perhaps you've even heard it said, happy wife, happy life. Well, how about holy wife, holy life? And I think that as men, we are to help nurture a holy life in a person, in your future wife. That word endurance, the definition for it, it's the fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. It means continuing or long-lasting. That's what endurance is. There is this story of a boy, when it comes to endurance, who came home one hot afternoon, anxious to take a cool swim in the pond beyond his home. 
He lived in South Florida, so taking a quick dip was a common way to cool off. He was so anxious to get in the water, he didn't even go inside to change his clothes. He just raced for the pond, dropping his shoes, shirt, and socks along the way. His mother spotted him diving off the dock and went outside to check on him. As she watched her son swim toward the middle of the lake, she also spotted an alligator moving from the far shore toward her son. She began screaming the warnings and the boy stopped mid-swim. He finally understood the danger and began racing back toward the dock. Just as he reached her, the alligator reached him. And it was a tug of war from a mother's worst nightmare. From the dock, she pulled his arms. From the water, the alligator held his legs. The water was quickly stained with blood. A farmer driving by heard the screams and ran to help. He shot the alligator and helped the mother call for help. The boy survived. And after several weeks of hospitalization, was ready to talk with a news reporter. The reporter asked the child if he could see where the alligator had bitten him. With the typical pride of a boy, he showed off his healing wounds to the interested reporter. But wait, said the boy, look at these. With that, he showed the reporter the scars on his arms. I have great scars on my arms too. I have them because my mom wouldn't let go. You see the, the endurance through the trial, through the pain, through the suffering, the endurance that that mother had towards her son was more enduring than that alligator. And I'm reminded how Jesus endured the most vicious death of the cross for you. But we say this world is so evil. There's so much pain and suffering in my life. How can Jesus love me? His love endures. But I'm so far from God, you say. I've made too many mistakes how can he accept me? Jesus' love endures through all those things. Thirdly, the love of Jesus is an inseparable love. Taken from Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Paul writes to the Romans, he says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now there are two attributes of Jesus that we must understand in his deity, the attribute of his omnipresence, and secondly, the attribute of his omnibenevolence. Omnipresence means he is everywhere at all times. Omnibenevolence means he is loving 
at all times. He is all love. See, God is always present. We don't have to go to Israel to experience God's love. We could even live in Chino Hills and God will still love you. I say that because I'm going to be moving there uh, within the next few months. <laughs> but we don't have to go to a mountain to get an experience with God or close to God. You don't have to find some secret place that nobody goes to. God is with us everywhere. God is omnipresent. And Jesus, Jesus and his deity, as our risen Lord, he is also omnipresent. That's why we could pray to Jesus and he hears, he knows. In Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10, David wrote, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. See, God doesn't put more of himself in one location than another. God doesn't put more of himself in one person more than he does another person. John chapter 3, verse 34 says, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. Now, don't get me wrong. You, as a human being, can open yourself up more to God in your heart and in your mind and allow him to take over your, your life. But that's us opening ourselves up to him. He's not more present in you. You see, because God is omnibenevolent, meaning he's all love, nothing can get in between us and his love when we accept it. This is what I love about God. His grace, it never stops. We feel that we are separated because we look at ourselves. We see our behavior through the weeks, through the days, and we realize we are sinners. And we think, well, today God isn't with me because I fell. God isn't with me because I messed up this week. And then after we do some good deeds, perhaps we feel, okay, God is back close with us now. But this is far from the truth. You see, I love this fact that there is nothing that we can do to earn God's love. He's not going to love us more today because of our good behavior. And in contrast, he's not going to love us any less because of our sin. His love is all love. And we can leave here today with that truth, knowing that we don't have to work to get in God's good graces. Fourthly, my fourth point is that the love of Jesus is an empowering love. In Romans chapter 8, verse 37, Paul writes, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now Paul, writing to the Romans, knew his audience was surrounded by Roman culture. 
including the generals and soldiers who were conquering the ancient world. Still to this day, because of Rome's conquering, they still have these great monuments that are there to this day, the Colosseum. And they would go out to battle with confidence because the Roman army was the greatest nation at the time. And then they would return with parades and celebration, and they were known as conquerors. But Paul said to the believers, to us this morning, that we are more than them. We're more than conquerors. You see, Rome fell eventually. It deteriorated from the inside out. And as confident as they were, they didn't know for certain that if they would last the next fight. You see, but our war has already been won. We don't have to worry ourselves at night about our future because God has made us more than conquerors. He has already fought the battle. He has already won the war. So we can just ask God to give us strength to move forward through this life, through his love that is making us more than a conqueror. We don't have to be afraid. One of my biggest weaknesses in my entire life is fear. From the time that I was a little kid, afraid of of the dark, afraid of the boogeyman. And that mentality, that weakness, it poured into other aspects of my life. Fear of, of speaking truth, fear of speaking out, fear of speaking my mind. Fear of failure, fear of being less than others, of not being good enough. So when I became a Christian and God began to minister to me in my weakness, I found this truth in 1 John chapter 4.18, that there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. That's the perfect love of Jesus. So do you find yourself anxious and afraid? Then allow God's perfect love. Accept it. Allow his love to lead you rather than fear. Fifthly, The love of Jesus is a self-denying love. Taken from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So a message I, I would strongly encourage as men, we're not married yet. This is something we look forward to. And for those of you who are married, this is something that you want to practice, implement it into your marriage. Love your wife as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That's self-denial. That's dying to self. Now, I've been told that marriages or that a marriage is one of the greatest tools that God uses in a person's life to realize 
to show them how selfish they are. Because God brings that other person in their life and suddenly it's not about you anymore. It's about putting that other person's needs first. It's not about yourself. And we get it wrong when we believe that marriage is intended for our own self-happiness. Now in this verse that we just read in Ephesians about Christ loving the church, giving himself for her, we realize that Christians are the bride of Christ, symbolically. Now how often do we fail at being his bride? We run to other idols and vices, leaving our first love. Yet, Christ, he still remains faithful. Christ is always there, ready to receive us. And in that same manner, I think of those marriages where a husband or wife is failing. If your husband or wife is failing, follow the example of Christ. Deny yourself. Continue to be faithful. See how much Christ is putting up with his bride. And we see that in our church, the church today, that the church, it fails. Shouldn't we do the same for the marriages we have here on this earth? And vice versa, if we are the ones failing, then return to Jesus. So in the future, when my wife gives me a hard time, I'm going to be like, you know what? Jesus loves his bride. I need to love mine. And I'm going to give her a hard time. (laughs) Oh, love is in the air. Point number six. The love of Jesus is a purifying love. To him who loved us and washed us, In Revelation chapter 5, verses 1, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, it says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, his love, it washes us from our sins in the blood of Christ. You see, we're all sinners. There's no one here who's perfect. And the punishment for sin is death. In order to make it into heaven, you need to be perfect, which none of us are. So Jesus, he took on that punishment. He removed our sins so that we can be in eternity in heaven with him. And it's by his blood that we are cleansed. When you look back at your life, you're going to see a lot of mistakes. And God removes those. He can give you that clear conscience. So if you've messed up in your past life, God forgives. Being transparent for a moment, before I became a Christian, I, I didn't wait for my wife. I went out. And I I fed my flesh. But God makes us new. And God gives us a new life where now, before the Lord, he purifies us. He purifies a marriage. 
And I thank God for that. There's an old hymn that I will often sing sometimes. It's kind of a little country, so some people are like, I don't know. But it's called, There is a Fountain. And I want to read just some verses from this old hymn. I think the old hymns, when you study them, just the guys who were writing these in the 1700s, 1800s, their depth and the knowledge of the word of God is so deep that if you were to study just the hymns from their time, you would get such a good theology and a good understanding of the love of Christ. But there is a hymn called There is a Fountain. And it reads this, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there have I, though vile as he, washed all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God are safe to sin no more. Ever since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. See how beautiful the love of God can be when you think of all the different things that the love of God is for us. You can't even count it. It's innumerable. So the love of God, the love of Jesus, it purifies us. Point seven and my last point. The love of Jesus is a love passing knowledge that we can know. Which sounds like an oxymoron. But the love of Jesus is a love passing knowledge that we can know. Taken from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, it says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So God hasn't asked us to fully understand every aspect of the love of Christ because we can't. Our finite little amp brains cannot understand the vastness of the love of God. It's beyond us. But he asks us simply to believe, to believe in his love. That takes childlike faith. And we can grow in this knowledge. The Bible teaches us that we can know it and it passes our understanding. And I love that reminds me of passing our understanding of the trials that we go through. Sometimes we we don't understand it, but we don't have to. We can just simply have that faith, believe it. And we grow in this. And how do we grow in this knowledge? The same way we grow in relationships. It takes communication, right? When I don't 
communicate everything sometimes that's going on between me and Lisette, sometimes I get myself in trouble because I don't communicate. But there needs to be communication for understanding of one another. There also takes in a relationship commitment. There needs to be faithfulness. When it comes to the Lord, there needs to be faithfulness and obedience. That's commitment. I see you. (laughs) Now, they're also in a relationship. There needs needs to be giving. That's a self-denial, that type of giving relationship. And when it comes to Jesus, the way we grow in this part of the relationship, it's our adoration towards Jesus. What we can offer of ourselves to him We adore him, therefore we worship him. We adore him, therefore we pray. We read our word. We leave sin. And lastly, in in a relationship that's growing, there needs to be activity. You don't just do nothing in a relationship. And in that same way, in our relationship with God, We can allow God to move through us. Activity. It's the Holy Spirit coming upon us and us living that purpose-filled life. It helps us to grow in that relationship so that we can grow to know the love of Christ. So be encouraged that we're right now, today, is the first day of the rest of your life. And you can grow. Yeah, it's, it is funny, but it's true. And I love to say that, especially to new believers, because you know what? They realize, yeah, like I'm given a new life. God's mercies are new every morning. And with this, we can grow. So when we look at all these things that the love of Christ does for us, Number one, it was an exemplary love that we can follow by example. Number two, it's an enduring love. Number three, it is an inseparable love. Number four, it's an empowering love. Number five, the love of Jesus is a self-denying love. Number six, the love of Jesus is a purifying love. And seven, the love of Jesus is a love passing knowledge that we can know. So with this, understand that whether you are today single, married, it's complicated, just know that that the love of Jesus is the greatest love that you need and that he desires for you to know his love so that you can share it with others. And rejoice greatly that he has awesome gifts waiting for you. I'm going to encourage you guys, if you are in a season of waiting right now, wait on the Lord. Wait for his timing. Allow him to bring in his blessings 
and continue it in the love of Christ as you go through your life. And God's going to line everything up. You see, a, a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his path. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father, we pray and ask, Lord, that you would wash us and cleanse us. Father, I lift up the marriages represented that are part of redeemed, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would put a, a hedge of protection around them. Lord God, don't allow the enemy to get in between what you have brought together. I ask, Father, just that husbands, Lord, would die to themselves the way that Jesus gave himself for the church. Lord God, I, I, I pray for submission in marriages as unto you, Lord. I pray and ask, Father, that you would use the, the marriages, Father, as people, Lord God, as tools, as instruments to carry your message to the lost world, to your church. Lord God, just bless them. Fill them with joy, with peace, with hope, with love. We pray for those who are single, Lord. Give them patience. Allow them to be content with, with you. Prepare them, Father, for the future. Prepare them for their calling, what you have for them, who you have for them. And Lord God, may we just completely and fully devote ourselves to you in every stage of life. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Um, one more song. And if you guys would like prayer, uh, feel free to let's take some time. I'd love to, to pray with you guys. Um, it's one of the awesome things about the fellowship of this church. But one more song. You guys will be dismissed.
Joy comes in the morning 